Good morning. Yes, what a great morning already. It was a wonderful time of worship this morning. It was good to see so many faces back here and helping out in, in our place of worship. That was really, really wonderful. And uh, so, you know, so many, uh, they've been... Uh, They've been desiring and wanting, and it's, it's just great to, to see that. And whether it's been because of the past two and a half years or other things, I think we can all relate to a time where you know, we, we want to do something. We want to get moving forward. We want to come out. And uh, we've been maybe constrained or uh, feel like we're going nowhere. And there's a word for that. And that word is stuck. And I, I, I want to uh, talk about that today. That's, that's the theme of today. And um, for the next uh, couple of weeks, have you ever been in a place where you've just felt like immobile and you got no place to go? And I think we all can relate to that. I think we all can relate to a time when we were stuck. And whether it's in life or whether it's, uh, you know, a, a practical thing or you know, just an event in our physical, natural time. Uh, for example, here in Michigan, we can relate to being stuck in the snow. If you've ever been in your vehicle and you've been stuck in the snow, you know the wheels just keep spinning, and you're going nowhere. I remember a time when I was a kid, just 16 years old, and my father allowed me to drive his company car. Now, I don't know what he was thinking. I have no idea. And I wish I could talk to him and say, Dad, what in the world was going on that you would let a 16-year-old boy take your company vehicle out on a snowy evening? First thing I did is I went to my friend's house. Now, he lived in a section of the neighborhood where the streets ran up to Interstate 94. Now, Interstate 94 had come through the neighborhood and taken out many of the homes. It just split the neighborhood. So what did they do with these streets that went up to I-94? They just looped them around to the next street. So what we decided to do in my dad's company car in the snow was we'd go up that street and then see how long we could slide down that that curve around, keep the car sideways, and then try to go straight down the next street. Well, kind of like this Dukes of Hazard kind of uh, mentality, you know, that was popular when I was a kid. And, uh, you know, we just loved to think we could drive like that. Well, neither of us could get that car to slide all the way down a block, so it would go one way and then it would come back and we'd have to overcorrect. And yes, yeah, so what occurred is I ended up on someone's front lawn and I mean, I was this close to a tree. And I was like, whoo, man. Ah, thank you, God, that I didn't crash my father's company car. But then you know what? I couldn't move. <laughs> Wheels were spinning. And you know what? Sometimes when you're stuck, it doesn't matter which direction you're going to go. You just want to move. So, you know, I'm telling my friend, get out, get your back up against that tree, push this thing so we could go backwards and get off this person's front lawn before, uh, well, before they were out and upset and calling the police on us. 
So as it turned out, I was able to get going backwards and get off that front lawn and uh, was just grateful, even though I was going backwards, that I wasn't stuck. And I, I think, again, we could probably all think of times when we can relate to that. You ever been stuck on an elevator? I got stuck on an elevator once. Now, I, I thank God it was a very short period of time. I can't imagine being stuck in an elevator for hours or, or uh, some extended period of time. This elevator stopped. I was on there all alone. Suddenly, claustrophobia begins to happen. And I didn't care which direction that thing went. I was picking up that phone. Come on, can you help me? Whatever. I, my floor no longer mattered. Down, up, I didn't even know which direction I was going. All I wanted to do was move because being stuck is no good. You just sometimes want to get moving and it doesn't matter which way. And sometimes that's the way it is when in life and in life situations, we get stuck situations in times of no movement, stagnation. You know, it could be something like an unhealthy relationship and uh, we're, we're immobile. We're under a load of anger and despair because of a difficult or a broken relationship, and we can't seem to make any headway. Uh, it, it could be that we're in a, a place of not moving because we're buried in a mountain of debt. And that is, that, that's this country. There's many who have that problem, and it feels like it's mo- so much Uh, more heavy. It's so crushing now because of inflation and life's necessities have gone up so much. Gasoline and food and utilities. And, And if the credit cards are maxed out, it's brutal. It's crushing. What about, what about your work? Could it be an unfulfilling job? Feeling as if you're going nowhere in life? Maybe, maybe you've been ostracized by family or friends. You feel completely alone in your community or your school. Maybe even your church. You're feeling frozen, unable to move. And you know what? It would be better to go any direction. It'd be better to go backwards. It'd be better to go forward. It'd be better just to move. And I know through the past two and a half years, so many have been put in isolation. They've been isolated from family and friends uh, because of decisions throughout the pandemic. Isolated, perhaps, maybe you're isolated or cut off from people because of who you voted for. You're separated because you voiced your opinion on some social issue. Or maybe it's just some other thing in life, some other issue in life. You've lost a loved one. Then there's sickness. There's an accident or something. And, and you're just pushing that boulder up the hill. And it's rolled over and it's, it's sitting on you. It, it's not unusual. We're human. I'm sure we could all think of a situation and relate. And oftentimes, oftentimes, we find ourselves in, in a, a situation where we're stuck because we've made a bad decision. It might be one bad decision. It might be a series of poor choices. And then we're scheming and we're planning and and it leads just into life dropping into the pit. Might, Might be just a momentary, compulsive, irrational, bad decision. 
could be many, and it's resulted in a, just a serious, serious set of consequences that put us in this place of just zero locomotion. I've made dumb decisions. You know, one dumb decision and wham, I'm up to my axles in snow and my wheels are spinning. Going nowhere. Often that's the case. It's our own wayward choices that get us into a place where we're just stuck. You know, there's other times, though, it just might not be our fault. It could be that just it's the circumstances. Think of the pandemic. So many people were put in places where they were just stuck, and it was not their own doing. How many people in Florida followed the rules? They listened to the authorities, and yet still they're they're in a place without home or possessions. I watched one guy get interviewed, and he was just, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. He's, he, he's just stuck in this place of seemingly going nowhere. What now? We have the word of God that can help us. And in the word of God, there are so many examples, so many examples of both cases. People that made poor choices, people that found themselves in a circumstance that wasn't their own making. From Genesis to Revelation, examples abound of those who'd been stuck. Many, so many made terrible life choices. But others, it was you know, not their own doing. Today, I just I want to talk about these times where we make the bad choice where we make the bad choice and we get stuck and how do we get moving again? And as I've said, there's just examples that abound. There's tons of examples in, the, in Scripture. I'm, I want to take you to one today that's well-known and see what we can learn from it, see what we can take away from it today. And the, the account I want to talk to you about today is the account of the prophet Jonah. Jonah was a prophet of God, and little is known about this man. He's kind of an enigma. All that we know about Jonah really comes from one verse in the Old Testament and then an acknowledgement in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, in uh, the book of 2 Kings, in chapter 14, one verse that says, Jonah gave a prophecy during the reign of King Jeroboam II. So we know about when he was prophesying about what time, and that he was from a town called Gath Hefer. And that's just a couple miles from Nazareth. That's about all we know about Jonah. He, he, his father is named, we know he's from the, the tribe of Zebulun. Uh, and that's it. And then in the Gospels, in Matthew and Luke, Jesus refers to Jonah the prophet. So Jesus gives uh, some authentication to this prophet Jonah. And he said, Jonah prophesied to the Ninevites, which is what his book says. And the Ninevites repented. And Jesus said, you want a sign? I'll give you no sign except this. I'll be in the, I'll be in the belly of the earth three days and nights like Jonah was in the belly of the fish. And that's it. That's what we know of this man. Outside of the, the short four-chapter book that 
uh, is accredited to him. And I want to read to you the entire first chapter. It's not very long. Let's read that and we get a sense of what's going on in this man's life and how he got stuck. This is Jonah chapter 1. It's verses 1 through 17. It's the entire chapter. It says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us that we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? He answered, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. This terrified them and they asked, what have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, what should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord, please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man, for you, Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and they threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. What an account! What a place to be stuck in the belly of a, a stinky, smelly fish. What was Jonah's problem? How did he get stuck? Well, he heard from the Lord, and then he made some dumb decisions. He decided he'd run from the Lord. Jonah was asked to go on a foreign missions trip. Jonah, go to Nineveh. No, Lord, I'm not going on a foreign missions trip. No way. No, he started scheming and planning, and he was intentionally disobedient. He planned it. He intended it. He made plans and carried through with them to do exactly the opposite of what the Lord had asked him to do. Can you think of a time where you might have done exactly the opposite of what the Lord has asked. I know we don't hear from the Lord as Jonah heard from the Lord, but we do hear from the Lord. We hear from the Lord through his word. 
We hear from the Lord as we pray and we ask for direction and we sense we've received the direction. And maybe he's, he's given us some direction, but hmm, we just don't like it. No, we don't like it. Have we ever turned tail and run? I imagine some of us might be able to relate to Jonah who went on the run. I know I can relate. That was his first bad decision, to run from God. Then soon, he found himself stuck on a boat in the midst of a serious storm, so serious that the seasoned maritime crew was frightened. I mean, imagine men who sail the high seas. They're used to it, and they're freaking out. They're tossing things overboard. They're trying to lighten the load. They're going around everyone on the boat. Who's your God? Why is this happening? Is it you? To get out of this situation, Jonah makes another decision. Throw me overboard. And what might have he been thinking? Well, here's a great solution. This is it. I'm done. Throw me in. I'll drown. My life will be over, and that'll be that. But it didn't happen. His situation became worse. And sometimes that's what happens when we're on the run from God. We make dumb decisions and they take us from one stuck point to a worse place. Jonah was thrown overboard and then immediately he was swallowed by a huge fish. It's tough to get more stuck than that. I'd rather be on an elevator for three days and three nights than stuck in some stinky, slimy, ugh. Think about that. So what's the, what's the lesson here? What's the first lesson? The first lesson to avoid getting stuck in a mess is do not disobey the word of God and do not run from God. Did Jonah get out of this sticky mess? He's in the belly of a fish. Did he get out? He did. Let's read on chapter 2 and find out more what we can take from this account of Jonah. Chapter 2, verses 1 to 10. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I've been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Wow, that's a beautiful picture, isn't it? Whoosh. 
Oh, first you're stuck in this stinky thing. Then it vomits you out. Ugh. It spit him out. It spit him out. Jonah was no longer stuck. And what can we, what can we take away from his experience? Jonah repented. He turned back to God. His recorded prayer is short. It doesn't cover the whole time that he was in that, that, that terrible, just vile place, the gut of a fish. And I imagine he did a lot of repenting. I imagine he did a lot of praying. Even though we only have this short recorded prayer, my guess is that once he was inside the gut of that fish and alive, and he had his faculties to think, he was praying and he was repenting. His recorded prayer expresses that he repented. He turned back to God. He acknowledged the Lord's sovereignty. He committed to keep his vow. He expressed gratitude and praise. Yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley. Yes, I will lift you high when I'm in the pit when seaweed is around my head, yes, I will bless your name. This was his, this was what he was saying. He had turned and he was sincere. And Jonah's sincerity is reflected in how God responded to his prayer. He was helped. The fish barfed him out. He was unstuck. He was set free. When you're stuck because of a rash or poor decision, that's not the time to get defensive with the Lord. Call on the Lord. Be humble. Be sincere. When all you're doing is spinning your wheels, perhaps it's time to look and, and repent. It's the time to admit, Lord, I made a bad decision. Have you been disobedient like Jonah? It's time to confess. It's time to get to, to, to just get transparent with God and turn to him with a sincere heart and with thanksgiving and praise. Yes, I will lift your name in the, in the lowest valley. Yes, I will sing for joy, God, regardless of the circumstance. Acknowledge the Lord, be thankful, praise him, acknowledge his sovereignty over all of life. After Jonah cried out with a sincere and a repentant heart, he was set free. He was unstuck. But now what? Did he just go on his merry way? Let's read on. Chapter three. I'm gonna read verses one through five and, and verse 10. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah, go on that foreign mission trip. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and he went to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was a very large city, and it took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. The rest of the chapter talks about the king who turned. And verse 10 says, when God saw what they did, and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. Jonah 
After he was spit out from the fish, he had made no forward progress. As a matter of fact, he didn't go forward from that point. He had to go backwards. He had to go to square one. He had to go back to where he started. To God telling him once again, Jonah, come on. I want you to go on this missions trip. But you know what? He had a newfound perspective. And now he was obedient. He obeyed God. Jonah was no longer praying for help. He wasn't crying out to God. No, he was acting. He was moving forward. He was taking action. He was obedient. And that's when he began to move forward. When he followed God's direction, what happened? There was a beautiful harvest. The Ninevites heard the message and they repented. The whole city, the king called a a fast and, and everyone repented. And God smiled on them. Jonah had one of the most successful foreign mission trips ever. What, I mean, think of that. The the fruit that he bore, the entire city turned to God. When you're stuck because of your own disobedience and your own turning from God, do what Jonah did, repent before the Lord. Now the fish might spit you out, but maybe it won't. Uh, there's no promise that, that you're going to get unstuck like Jonah did so quickly. But even if the fish doesn't spit you out, and what do I mean when I say that? You know, whatever your situation of being stuck is, whatever that place of immobility, perhaps it doesn't change immediately. But that doesn't mean you can't repent. And it doesn't mean you can't get obedient like Jonah did and follow the word of God. And Jonah wasn't praying anymore. He was being actively obedient. And I'm not saying that you should just stop praying and never pray again. No, no. Prayer is important. It is. But we also have to act. We have to act. If we're sincere, we have to act. And get moving. There's a couple examples in the Old Testament. I just want to touch on in Exodus chapter 14. Israel was stuck between Pharaoh's army and the Red Sea. The people had lost their faith. They complained against God. They said to Moses, why have you brought us out here to die? Well, Moses began to pray. He fell on his face before the Lord. And what did the Lord say to Moses? Why are you crying out to me? This is Exodus 14, 15. Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand and put it over the sea and it'll divide the water so the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. Moses, get up and get moving. All right, I heard your prayer. Move, start acting, get obedient, do these things. And a similar thing happened to Moses' successor, Joshua. Once when Joshua was leading the Israelites, some were disobedient to God's word. They had stolen sacred things and they had lied about it. And because of their sin, the Israelite army was defeated in a battle they should have handily won. The people became immobilized in fear. Oh no, we're going to die. We're lost. This is it. And it's recorded in Joshua chapter 7. Joshua and the elders fell on their face before the Lord. And this is what the Lord said to Joshua. 
Stand up. Get up on your feet. Do something. What are you doing down on your face? That's what the Lord said. Israel has sinned. They have violated my covenant. And the Lord had Joshua dispense justice against those who had violated the Lord's covenant, who had stolen and lied, and then the people no longer feared defeat. They saw God's hand. See, there's a time to pray, and we need to pray, yes, and we need to confess, and we need to repent, but there's a time to take action if we're stuck, to be obedient to God, and to move out of the place where we are stuck. If you're stuck in, in, in a relational quandary, what does the word of God say? Go to the, the person that's offended you and get things right. It doesn't say just sit there and pray. If you're under a load of debt because you, you've made poor decisions and you've not kept your promise to repay, you got to start opening the envelopes that are coming from the bill collectors. You can't ignore the bills. You, you could probably eliminate some excess, cut up the credit cards, seek some competent help from someone who could put together a plan and a budget to help you get out from this mess. It can be done. And examine your ways. Examine your ways when it comes to this uh, idea of handling your money. That's what the first chapter of the book of Haggai says. Examine your ways when you're stuck in a financial mess. Haggai said, you work, but you don't have anything. You, 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 you don't have enough food. You don't have enough to drink. It's like your pockets have holes in them. All your money's just, where's it going? This is kind of how Haggai put it. And he said, examine your ways. Are you giving to the Lord? Are you giving? Are you tithing? I mean, this is part of handling everything that the Lord's given Maybe you're stuck in some other place. Maybe you're stuck at work or at school. Maybe you took a job you just weren't fully qualified for. And now it's a burden. The boss is finding out. Well, maybe you got to go get some training, take some action. You might have to admit it. But you can take some action to whatever your situation. You can pray. If you've made a bad decision, you can repent. You can follow God's word. And you can do some things to get out of that place. That's what Jonah did. That's what we can learn from. Now, the epilogue to Jonah's account, chapter 4. Jonah had rebelled against God. And he found himself stuck in a fish he repented and he called on God. Yes, he did. And he was set free. And he went back to square one. And then he was obedient. And for his efforts, God blessed him with this huge harvest. A very fruitful harvest. But what does chapter four say? Soon Jonah found himself angry with God. How soon, how soon a lesson learned can be lost. Chapter 4 ends with Jonah being angry at God. And that's the human condition. He learned a valuable lesson, but soon things changed. And he was angry with the Lord. And that can sometimes happen to us too. We do well for a time. And then something happens. Some situation and we forget what we've learned. And 
we sin again. Jonah was angry with the Lord. That can be me. That can be us. But there's good news. There's, there's hope. There's hope for us, and the hope is Jesus. Jesus Christ. Jesus offered his life as a ransom to us, a, a ransom for us for the debt of sin. These Old Testament lives, they were under a covenant, but they didn't have this better promise, the better promise of Christ, which we have and we live under. Jesus gave his life for us. He knew our situation. He came to this earth. He became fully human. He understands the human condition. He has compassion for us when when we go wayward. On the night before he died, he shared a meal with his friends. And Jesus instituted a memorial meal. That's a meal to remember and to honor that he gave his life to never forget, never, ever forget. He died for you. He died for our sin. And we, from time to time, fall into a bad decision. We fall into sin. We can be disobedient. But when we come to this memorial meal, this time that we call communion, where we celebrate our common union with Jesus Christ, there is in it an amazing grace, an amazing grace. Jesus calls us to remember his sacrifice. And as we do, he says, Look within. Take some time to look within. Are you stuck in anything today? Are we angry with God? Are we dealing with a besetting sin? Is something keeping us from moving forward or even moving backward to square one? Don't get angry with God. Don't run from God. Deal with it before Almighty God. He's offered that to us right now at this that we call the communion table. As you take a minute to to prepare and get your bread out, hold it, we're going to bless it together. I want to remind you of what the Word of God tells us about this memorial meal. Let's let's deal with anything in our lives so that we can be those vessels that the Lord can fill and empower. And we heard this this morning a word about being filled and empowered by God. Well, we might have to deal with our vessel. We heard a great message on that last week. If we're stuck in something, let's Deal with it according to the word of God. Let's hear the word of God, receive the word of God, follow the word of God and not run from it. The apostle Paul wrote, I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. 
For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. There's the grace. There's the invitation. Examine. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's an amazing grace. You're stuck today in anything. Now's the time to deal with it, to look inside, examine yourself. And there's this awesome invitation. Before you eat this bread and drink this cup, just do what you need to do. Get transparent before God Almighty. Discern the the sacrifice of Jesus. He gave his life for our sin. And say some of the things that Jonah said. Lord, I'll keep my vows. God, I, I will keep the covenant. I will. And God, I'll praise you and I'll be thankful to you. But first, I gotta confess. Let's do that. Let's do that. Let's take, let's take a minute or two right now. Sincerely get before God's throne of grace. Get transparent before him. And, and allow yourself to be judged by you. By you. God says he won't judge you. Let's do that. If you believe that the blood of Christ covers it all and you've taken the time to examine yourselves and to be transparent before Almighty God, now is the time to get moving, to take action, to not remain static. You know, as the Lord said to Moses, move on. You know, as the Lord said to Joshua, get up. Do as Jonah did and be obedient and get moving in the direction that the Lord has pointed you. Now, uh, many of us here, uh, we might have come in stuck this morning. You do not have to leave that way. You don't. You don't. And uh, I'm going to pray and I, I, w- I want to pray a blessing over everyone. But if you need prayer, if you heard this morning the word about being filled with the Holy Spirit and you're saying, ah, gee, I need some more of that. I want some more of that. You can come to these altars here this morning. We have elders and deacons that'll pray. You don't ever, never, ever have to rush out of here. If you're dealing with something and maybe you're thinking, yes, I prayed, I, I, I dealt with my issue, but still I need somebody to join me in prayer. I need some encouragement to get moving. I need someone to pray with me that I can get out of this place of being stuck. You do not have to run out of here this morning. And I say, don't run out. You come here and get some prayer, get some prayer. These altars are always, always open. As I pray, and if anyone wants to come and receive prayer, please do. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the examples there in the word. They're true, Lord. And they help us, God, because we're frail human beings who sometimes miss the mark. And we are disobedient from time to time. And we do not listen to your word. And God, we need the help to be 
reminded and to get back on track and to get even to square one and start again, whatever it is, God, I pray that that blessing would fall on every single person in this room, that they'd be able to move forward in you greater than, greater than, greater than they were when they came in here this morning, God, and that they would be filled with your spirit, enabled and empowered to walk in you regardless of what comes their way and that those bad, rash decisions, Lord, wouldn't occur. They'd first look to you. And if it doesn't make sense to follow your word, they would still step into it and they would still follow your word and they would still be obedient. God, I pray that for every single one of us. We need it, God. We need it. We need it. Thank you for it, God. Thank you. And now bless your people. God, bless them and raise your hands for the blessing of the Lord. God, bless your people. Bless them and keep them. Make your face to shine upon them and be gracious unto them. Lift up your countenance on each one and grant them peace. Peace, God, the peace of God, Lord. As they've come and gotten clean before you today, may the peace of God that passes understanding keep every heart and mind and soul through our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Again, you do not need to rush out. You can come for prayer. The altars are always, always open.